Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. This is a podcast all about weather. We are two broadcast meteorologists in Dayton, Ohio. And we just can't stop talking about weather. So when we're not on TV, we figured why not jump behind the mic to answer your weather questions and talk about all things meteorology. Now remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How have you been? I've been good. Yeah? Summer's here and it's been hot. I know, but not for long. No, not for long. We're going to have an active pattern this upcoming weekend. It's still going to be rather warm, though. Yeah, not bad for us, but we are no longer in the heat wave ridge of the United States. That's west. And yeah. Now, now the East Coast gets the, gets the stormy pattern. We could use some rain. The grass is getting a little brown. I finally had some people send photos to me on Facebook of their yards, mm-hmm. and it is crispy out there. Yeah, a little bit. Ironically enough, and we'll have to check today, um, the U.S. Drought Monitor comes out every Thursday, yeah. and the last update, we were fine. fine. It said normal. I so I'll be uh, interested to see if we go abnormally dry. I bet you we might. I mean, just looking at the grass, not mm-hmm. even, I mean, just everywhere, it's getting pretty you know, hard now, the yeah. soil, so... Yeah. Uh, not a bad thing to kind of get locked into a pretty moist and, you know, rainy pattern for us for a little bit at least. Yeah. So off from, you know, rain and yeah. up a little higher. Let's go a little bit the higher. Sky, into space. Yeah. We had some cool things that happened this week already. We have. We had a couple planets in the skies, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, the space station flyovers. Yeah. So that kind of goes right into our topic for today. Uh, definitely does. So uh, we always like to do an astronomy of the week for you every podcast episode. But we have an expert here that definitely knows mm-hmm. a little bit more than than us. The Moonshaft Museum of Discovery astronomy educator Joe Childers is with us today. Uh, he is a very very knowledgeable man who we've worked with in the past actually yes. when we had um the solar eclipse we had him he was out at boonshaft he was helping people um, do experiments so that they could all share and see the eclipse as it was occurring mm-hmm. um and mccall you worked with him on a special report that you had done about that i did and he took me all around the boonshaft and showed me all the cool stuff that was going on and i learned so much about uh just solar eclipse in general but a lot of the other things that they do and uh joe is an educator, as you said, so he's mm-hmm. very knowledgeable when it comes to astronomy and things like that. So I'm excited to, you know, talk with him a little bit about it today. Yes, I'm, I'm welcome glad to be Joe. here. Yeah. yeah, we love having you here. So we're excited because, you know, if you've listened, if people have listened to our podcast for a while, then I hope they look forward to the little parts where we say what planets are visible and what mm-hmm. meteor showers are coming up. Um, but now we can really dive deep with you and talk a little bit more. Um, I want to start off, though, with people who maybe don't know you or they don't know the Boonshoff Museum of Discovery. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit about your path getting to this place, you know, your education and what it took to become an educator. Okay. I was working in educational technology at a small college in Indiana. Mm-hmm. One of the professors was an amateur astronomer. We went out into the fields in Indiana, plenty of those. <laughs> and the very first night I was using binoculars, I found the planet Uranus in binoculars and a little meteorite went through my binocular field of view. And so I'd grown up in rural Maine, knew all the constellations and everything. That um, that got me back into it, mm-hmm. and so within a couple of years, I'd started a, an amateur astronomy club in that part of Indiana, and I worked with 
uh, Dr. Ron Kajuk at Ball State, who is a physics and astronomy professor there and runs their planetarium. And over the course of a few years, I decided that I wanted to go and get schooling so that I could do that as a, as a career. So I ended up with a master's in physics from Ball State, wow. and I did an astronomy thesis. And then I ended up at the Boonshoff Museum. I started out in the education department doing physics and chemistry, and then moved over to the planetarium when there was an opening there. And I love it. Yeah. How long have you been with Boonshaw? In fact, just yesterday, uh, we recognized my 10th anniversary. Oh! Whoa! Congratulations. Congratulations. So clearly for you, just like meteorology is to McCall and I, not only is it your career of choice, but it is also something you're very passionate about. Yes. I'm always looking up at the sky. It took my wife a few years to train me to not do that while I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's always things to see. Yeah. I, and I feel it, like that's the same for us. For I'm always... <laughs> You know, looking What's, at the sky. Oh, that's a rare cloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a quick embarrassing story. Um, when I really started to pick up my interest in, in paying attention to what planets are visible, um, I was driving with my husband, and we were in northern Kentucky, and I said, Corey, you could see Venus. You could, this is, so, oh my gosh, it's so bright. He goes, Kirsty, it's moving. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just a plane. <laughs> I've gotten a lot better at my stargazing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'll never forget yes. that time that I was just so jazzed. And then we noticed it was blinking and it was a plane. Yeah, the red and green lights are usually <laughs> yeah, a giveaway. That's what gives it away, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness, yeah. So uh, I've really learned to make sure that I'm looking at the right thing before I speak. But you know what to look for. And I think people this time of year, yeah. I mean, we're in summer. This is, like, the like, best time to be outside. Definitely. Um, Did you always want to be an educator? No, not yeah. always. Um, when I was in my uh, graduate studies, one of my assistantships was in the planetarium. And that was a natural fit because I had been doing the, uh, the amateur astronomy club. And I just discovered that I really like it. I, was, I said, oh, I don't want to work with kids. Mm-hmm. Kids are annoying. <laughs> but they're also curious. That curiosity has not been... Yeah beaten out of them yet mm-hmm. and i feel and like astronomy is one of those things it doesn't matter what age you are you still have that child cool. wonder about mm-hmm. it yeah. when you mm-hmm. took me into the planetarium i know i was sitting there like uh, it was like it's nothing i've ever seen before yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah you're really good at you know making it exciting yeah and the thing about it is is that you can go out at night and you look up at the stars and then you go out on another light and you look up and it may seem to you that they change mm-hmm. every night, but they don't really. Yeah. They don't move the streets around in your neighborhood while you're sleeping. <laughs> and so once you learn your neighborhood streets, that's the same it's going to be. And it's the same way with the stars. Yeah, that's really neat. So, but not everything that's up in the sky is a star. Right. See. There's more. And really right now, something unique is happening because there's a, what looks like a star, but is orange. Can we talk about what that is? Yeah. Yes. You'll notice in the southeast, after it's getting dark, but this orangey star, mm-hmm. it's very bright. I've already gotten calls about it. Yes, <laughs> it is the planet Mars. Yes. And so that orangey color is one of the reasons why so many mythologies around the world associate Mars with warfare or bloodshed Mm. or anger. Um, 
And that's because the soil is rusty. Mm-hmm. The, the water that used to be liquid on the surface has made the, the iron in that soil turn to rust. And so that's what we're seeing, that color. Um, one interesting thing about seeing red colors at night, mm-hmm. women generally can see red in faint objects better than men and younger people better than older people. So my daughters, it looks much more red to them than it does to me. To me, it just looks kind of like amber, like you would have on electronics. But for her, it's very red. I think it's very red. It'd be Mm -hmm. interesting to like, if you had a family... That was mm-hmm. out. Maybe take like a color wheel mm. and kind have of everyone see, pick the color, pick the color that, they, that they think that they're, they see. That would mm-hmm. be really yeah. interesting. Hey, McCall's an experiment for you, everyone. Yeah. Well, Families so, who are listening. Let me know. And, and that's an example of how, because of the mystique and grandeur of the night sky, it feeds in so well to that sort of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can easily be turned towards... Uh, things that are scientific, or it can also be turned towards things that are creative. I mean, science yeah. fiction usually happens in outer space. Very true. That's, so, but it's Mars. We've seen Mars in mm-hmm. the sky before, yeah. but for some reason, it seems bigger and brighter than in, in years past. Yeah. Why is that? Well, I, as I, I understand this is going to be going online on the twenty seventh. Yep. Yes. And that is the day when Mars is at what is called opposition. Mm -hmm. So it is directly opposite the sun in the sky. It will rise at sunset, set at sunrise. That's also when it's the brightest. Mm -hmm. And this particular time, Mars is closer than it's been since 2003. So uh, this is a special time. Mm -hmm. It's usually dimmer than the planet Jupiter, Mm -hmm. but it's all month that's it's brighter than Jupiter and most of August also. Yeah, it's, so really, cool. it's really neat to see on daybreak, actually, when I'm on the sky deck, we have an excellent shot of not only the eastern horizon, but the western horizon. And so every morning, I've been able to see Mars as it's setting. It is very vivid and really, really easy to spot because as long as you know early as the sun's coming up to just turn in the opposite direction, mm-hmm. you really, you really can't miss it. And on the 27th, is also a full moon. And a full moon is when the moon is in opposition, opposite the sun. So mm-hmm. the moon and Mars will be together. A full moon and Mars next to one another. Oh, oh, that's going to be cool. great. Mark it your calendars. Dim, will it, it, it doesn't dim the brightness of bright Mars? Enough to kind of... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, oh, that'll be great. So, We're going to get good photos. So, for instance, that's one of the... Th- the one of the types of, of light pollution that you're talking about is glare. Mm-hmm. So, like, even the brightest star, Sirius, mm-hmm. if you maneuver so it's near a streetlight, you won't be able to see it. Okay. And then the other part of it is sky glow, which you can only get away from if you go out in the country. Right, because it's just the it's city the lights there, too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's definitely the best way. Um, so, Mars is definitely something that, if you're listening to this podcast, really at any time between now and August, uh, through August, it's worth looking out for yeah. and just know that it does it's going opposite of what the sun is doing so when the mm-hmm. sun is setting mars is rising in the east and when the sun is uh, rising in the east mars is setting in the west so that's really neat it is neat Ooh. and that's just one thing you've got more to talk about don't you <laughs> okay well there are three other planets that you can see in the evening so venus mm-hmm. which is usually brighter than an airplane say, yeah is in the west <laughs> after sunset <laughs> And it sets by about the time the sky gets all the way dark. Okay. Jupiter is high in the south. It is also quite bright. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a star to its right, Spica, which is bluish. 
a bright star to its left, Antares, which is reddish. And then between Antares and Mars is the planet Saturn. Wow. So That's a good lineup. F- four planets across the southern sky. <laughs> I keep, <laughs> keep hitting the microphone, I, by I the way. I keep hitting the He's microphone. He's a hand talker like my, I am. Gesturing. Yes, a hand talker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, four planets across the sky in the evening. Four of the five that are bright enough to be seen without binoculars. The That's other one being special. Mercury. That is special. And so how long will this, I mean, is this through August then? Or how long would these planets be? Venus, uh, I believe in the middle of fall, will start dropping okay. into the sunset. Um, the other planets are going to be like that most of the summer. Uh, in general, every month they rise two hours later. So at the end of August, Mars will be up in the sky mm-hmm. already when it gets dark instead of rising at sunset okay. in the end of July. And by the end of fall, Jupiter will be in sunset and, yeah. and hard to see. I think Jupiter and Venus will be very close together, okay. but I don't recall the date. Sometime yeah. September or October. So in order of brightness, did, did we already touch upon it? Like, which one's the brightest? Like, right now, Mars happens to be because of its opposition that's happening. Venus is always the, the brightest. Mm-hmm. Jupiter is usually the second brightest, but around opposition for about a month or so, Mars is brighter. Okay. And then Saturn is always the dimmest planet, mm-hmm. and Mercury varies quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, in its, uh, when it appears out of the sun's glare. Okay. I always feel like there's something magical of when you're seeing like the planets and the moon lining up. Oh, that's the best. Well, because you just for, see them in a, in a line. Yeah. It's always exciting. And it's also the best because it's the easiest to find the visible planets because sometimes you might second guess yourself, is this a star or is this Jupiter? But when you know Jupiter is close to the moon on this date, all you do is find the moon and then you're like, whoa, yeah. they're in a beautiful diagonal line or they're right next to each other. So... Oh, that's the even if it's whether it's a full moon or just a, a very thin crescent moon, the moon I love when they line up because you're right. It just it makes it easy to find mm-hmm. and it makes it look that much cooler. Yeah. Another thing that you can look for with just your eyes when you're watching stars and planets is that planets in general do not twinkle and stars do twinkle. I was mm. just gonna ask you that. <laughs> that's funny. So what was what was your question going to be? Why that happens? Well, why it happens, and then how to tell that what you're looking at is a planet and not a star. So okay. The twinkle. Typically, I would look at the twinkle, and also knowing where it is. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the neighborhood analogy. If Fred always parks his car on the street, and then there's another car parked behind his, well, then that is unusual. And of course, the so as the planets move along against the background stars, you can kind of, if you're following them from night to night, mm-hmm. you can see that. But again, they don't twinkle. And that is because even though our eyes cannot see that there's a disk to that planet, we have to use a telescope to see that, we still have light coming to us in a disk shape. Ah. Whereas the stars are so far away that they are essentially points. Okay. So when you look above a barbecue grill, you can see the shimmering lights. Well, that's happening all the time in the atmosphere, too, that turbulence and the temperature differentials. With a a star, which is coming as just a point of light, those uh, wigglings can bring that light away from you momentarily, and then it comes back. But the planet planet is a disk, and so for the planet to twinkle, it has to be enough turbulence that all of those points of light working together are all moved away from your eye at the same time. Wow. I know my brain just exploded. Mind blown. <laughs> Did not know that. And Very interesting. 
when Venus is a very thin crescent, you can mm-hmm. see it twinkle for the That's same really reason. Neat. Well, yeah, because wow. you're taking away. Yeah, you don't need the whole, like, as many yeah. points. Yeah. Yeah. If, as, as, once it gets skinny enough of a crescent, then the atmosphere is able to bend all of that light mm. away from your eye momentarily. Wow. I love it. <laughs> um, from planets to, which I think everyone loves these because it's popular and it's fun, meteor showers. Yes. Summer's a great time, and we've got a good meteor shower in the summer. One of the two best meteor showers yeah. happens always in the middle of August. And in fact, my birthday <laughs> falls around that. And my <laughs> my dad would always take me out in the backyard and we would stargaze in our sleeping bags on the night of the Perseid meteor shower. Oh, awesome. And that was also part of what got me Interesting. hooked in astronomy. Yeah. yeah. So the Perseid meteor shower is going to be best on the night of August 12th and 13th. And the best time to see it is after 2 a.m. in the morning and away from city lights. Okay. Right. And so now meteors happen all the time mm-hmm. and um, random or accidental meteors, but a meteor shower is associated with a particular comet. In the case of the Perseids, it's Swift Tuttle, named after the guys who discovered it. Mm-hmm. And so the three things that I say for meteor watching go somewhere dark. Um, have friends to <laughs> hang out with because it isn't like pew, 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 right. pew, pew, yeah. you know. It can be a minute or two in between meteors. And yeah. so having somebody to chat with does make that go, go <laughs> quicker, alive. yes. <laughs> and get in a chair because even in the summertime, if you lie down on the ground, your body heat's going to get sucked out of you and you can get really chilly. So a beanbag or a chair you. or something, wow. that goes a long way towards your enjoyment. Also bugged out. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you have, I guess, kids, because yes. this is probably really exciting. It's late to keep them up. But mm-hmm. would you say for a family, like, it's worth giving your child, especially in the summertime, the oh, chance yeah. to, to go out? And, like, what would you tell, you know, what would you tell a family, especially tell- for this meteor shower? Okay. Kids know what meteors are like. Mm-hmm. Um we have meteors you can look at at the Boonshaw, meteorites rather. Mm-hmm. Um, what you can say is there's going to be a meteor shower. We're going to get up early in the morning and it's going to be a special trip. Mm. We're going to go out and we're going to see stuff from outer space falling onto the earth. Oh my God, that's so cool. I want to go now. I know. <laughs> like, And we're organizing a group weather trip to watch the meteor shower, the Perseid meteor shower on August 12th. Um, is this going to be an, I mean, I know it's one of the best meteor showers usually of the year. This year, do we know, like, how's its activity going to be? There's two things that contribute to how many meteors you will see on a given year for a meteor shower. Um, the, one of them is how soon did the comet come itself come close to Earth? And that was a few years ago for the Perseids. I think its orbit's like 33 years. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a while before we get another one of those outbursts. Okay. But the main thing that contributes to it is the moon. Because just like in the city you have light pollution, the moon makes its own natural light Mm -hmm. pollution. Mm -hmm. And so this year, 
no moon in the early morning. I think it's oh, a nice. waxing crescent. Yeah. So yes, it's a moonless year for the Perseids. So that's really worth your time, guys. It Definitely. really is. Mark your calendar because mm-hmm. that's going to make it dark and awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So how come like the Perseid meteor shower is only one point in the year and we're not getting it all year round? Why sure. is that? Well, we have the Earth's orbit around the sun mm-hmm. and we have the comet's orbit around the sun. And so these two orbits get close to one another. There's no risk of collision, but they get close to one another at a specific spot in space. Well, as we orbit the sun, that's our year. And so when the Earth itself is in that specific spot in space, it's on a specific date of the year. Oh, nice. Interesting. Never think about that. Um, McCall, do you have anything else? We had kind of talked about a bigger news story that had come out. Yeah, recently... Excuse me. Um, we had heard a lot about Mars, mm-hmm. which you said uh, is rusty. Or is rusty. Uh, mm-hmm. And a new discovery there. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. About a month or so ago, NASA released results from the Curiosity rover, which is on Mars. It's basically a mobile geology lab. Mm-hmm. And the two things that it announced, one is that it had discovered um, organic molecules in the upper few inches of the soil, which is significant, and also that it had detected that the amount of methane coming up out of Mars's surface is more in the Martian summertime than in the Martian wintertime. And both of those are exciting because living organisms, bacteria, on Mars is one explanation for it. Mm -hmm. But we cannot say, there's life on Mars, because there are other non-living ways that those things could be happening. Okay. And doesn't methane gas produce from the breaking down of of organic things? On the Earth, it is a byproduct of bacteria um, decomposing, Mm -hmm. whether it's in a cow's gut or in a swamp or what have you. Um, The non-living ways that it could be are... um, chemical reactions between perhaps water that's beneath the surface Mm -hmm. of Mars where it's warmer so Mm -hmm. it can still be liquid or other chemical reactions. I'm not familiar with those details, Mm -hmm. but I do know that just because we see methane on Mars, that doesn't automatically mean that there's something on Mars farting. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? But maybe. But But NASA says maybe, maybe, though. So it could be, it's but we exciting, don't know yet. Though. It's exciting, though. It's really cool. with the, the possibility that there could mm-hmm. be some living things there. Right, and the seasonal variation in methane, how there's more in the summer than yeah. in the wintertime, what yeah. that means is that there is a reservoir of methane under the surface mm-hmm. and that the surface becomes easier for that to bubble out in the summertime mm-hmm. when it's warmer. I mean, the summer temperatures on Mars can get up to 70 degrees Fahrenheit in the daytime. Wow. But then 110 below zero at right. night because <laughs> okay. its atmosphere is so thin, it doesn't yeah. hold in heat like Earth's does. Yeah, and, and speaking of the atmosphere, how is it different from Earth? Well, composition, it's about 95% carbon dioxide, where we're much less than 1%. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, also its air pressure, it's about a sixth of an inch of mercury is the air pressure on Mars, which is about you know, one-sixtieth of an atmosphere here. Yeah. So um, there's there's very, very low pressure. That makes the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, 
we have the ice caps on Mars. They're made of frozen carbon dioxide, dry ice. <gasps> now, when we get dry ice here, like we're going to take ice cream to a picnic or something, yeah. <laughs> it makes smoke. It's billowing mm-hmm. smoke all the time. And that's because not so much of the room temperature, but because Earth's atmospheric pressure. And it's so much thinner on Mars that it can stay as a solid. And so dry ice does not billow out smoke on Mars. It's what the ice caps are made of. I know. Another one. <laughs> Just like, I feel like we keep going deeper and deeper with Joe, and I'm like, I can't. So much information. So much knowledge. But, Joe, it, it has been a ton of knowledge, and it has been fantastic. Real quick, for people who don't know Boone Shop, and maybe they're coming into Dayton, or maybe they want to make a trip they're out. Like, oh, I have a question. Yes, I want to ask yes, Joe. Or they want to ask Joe, <laughs> and they know he's an educator there. Um, explain what the Boone Shop Museum of Discovery is to someone who might not have been there before. Okay, the Boone Shop Museum of Discovery has uh, four accreditations, uh, I think, maybe five. But we're a, a children's museum. We're a science and technology center. We're a nationally accredited zoo. And we also are accredited for archaeology and our collections. Our collections department has over one and a half million different artifacts from all over the world and all different time periods. So as far as my astronomy department is concerned, every day at 2 o'clock, seven days a week, we Mm -hmm. have a stargazing show. What would I see in the night sky tonight if I were to go out? And we also have uh, third Friday evenings. um, We have a free astronomy lecture. Mm -hmm. So it's this Friday from the recording date, but it'll be, be, uh, I'm going to be talking about comets and meteors and asteroids. That's awesome. Our observatory is staffed by volunteers from the Miami Valley Astronomical Society. And that is open every clear Friday evening um, all year long. Wow. Free, free observation through one of the largest telescopes in the southwest Ohio. That's amazing. Yeah. So once again, worth your time. Yeah. I've been there, and I was only there for a few short hours, and I felt like I didn't get to see everything that you guys have. I know that there's some contraption that they built. I don't remember who you said built it, but you can look through this – crazy telescope or something and be able to look at the sun mm-hmm. um and that was really cool uh yeah i would just really suggest going on any day but you know if there's a rainy day and you're trying to figure out what to do with the kids there's a lot going on a in lot the there like yes. said, besides your astronomy department there's the zoo they always have little animals um you know artifacts and and there is a lot of great stuff for kids it, yeah. it's really quite fun we'll have a science activity out on the floor at least in the summertime yeah. every half hour that's awesome that is awesome well, thank you, Joe. Thank You're you welcome. so much for thank coming in. Yeah. It's been wonderful uh, to hang out with you again. And uh, if you want to um, maybe follow Joe or Joe, if anyone has questions, how can they reach you? Astronomy at Boonshoffmuseum.org. Wonderful. Or call the Boonshoft and ask for astronomy or even ask for me. There you awesome. go. <laughs> thank you, Joe. Thank you. So I feel like we can do like a five-part series with Joe. <laughs> I know. Because we just barely scratched the surface. I know. And we're definitely going to have to have him come back in. So yeah. if yeah. anybody has questions about astronomy, just send them in now, and we are going to make sure that we answer those. Yes. Um, and once again, if you you can send them to our Twitter accounts, Kzontini, W-H-I-O, M. Rydegs, W-H-I-O. Mm-hmm. Our email addresses are just our names at cmgohio.com. Um, and if you find us on Facebook, you could just post it there as well. 
But we also have a page where we try to keep up with astronomy as mm-hmm. much as possible. Um, and it's on whio.com. You'll see the weather tab and you'll see a hashtag Skywitness7 um, option for you to click. So by clicking that, you will get all the updated videos that we make. We have a guide to um, tips for viewing meteor showers. We have a glossary of different mm-hmm. terms you may hear from space. Um, and if you ever find great photos that you take with your family, use the hashtag, hashtag SkyWitness7, yeah. and then we could see them on Twitter. We have a Twitter feed that's right on that website. Yeah. So everyone that you know uses the hashtag, you'll show up basically on the website, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's really exciting, especially this time of year when there is a lot going on yeah. in the sky. I you know, don't have a telescope, so I love nope. when people are able to take really great photos of yeah. planets and meteors and things happening in the sky. Also, SkyWitness7 is on the WHIO News news app Mm -hmm. so if you have that app which you should it's free to download uh you can find sky witness 7 on there as well yes as always we love hearing comments questions about our podcast we are getting a lot of them through email lately and i'm loving everybody's questions that they're sending in um if you can share our podcast with people Mm -hmm. if this is your first time listening make sure you subscribe Uh, you can find our show cloudy with a chance of podcast on apple itunes google play stitcher and whi Enjoy your summer. We'll see you next time.